Uh, Amy and I uh, have been friends for a few years now. She, in addition to all the things that she's going to tell you about, serves on the board of our nonprofit called Reagan's Journey, uh, which reaches out to and serves families who have children with special needs. And um, I'm sure you have many questions as she comes up here, but I'm going to give her the opportunity to answer those questions for you. Let's give Amy a nice warm welcome as she joins us today. Good morning, everybody. So I guess you can all hear me then. (laughs) I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you so much, Pastor Fred, for having me. Um, Elbows up, anybody here who has already heard my story? Not really? It's a couple of you. Good. So I won't bore all of you then, just a few of you. (laughs) But um, so I'm sure you can all tell by looking at me that I don't have arms or legs. I was born like this. In the medical world, it is known as congenital tetrafocomelia. Say that three times fast. (laughs) So congenital just means that it's a condition present from birth. And tetrafocomelia is a Greek term. When you break it down, tetra means four. And uh, focomelia means seal limbs. So uh, I was born with four seal limbs. Uh, Personally, I think that seals have longer extensions of arms than I do, and they're cute, way cuter than I am, especially if you've ever seen me getting up out of bed in the morning. Um, By the way, I got to refer to the slide on your right. Um, I love hockey, mainly the pens, and I just might be their biggest and littlest fan simultaneously. (laughs) Um, And so if you're a true hockey fan, when when the pens are in the playoffs, you gotta wear a playoff beard, right? Whether you're a girl or a guy. And I wanted mine to, th- to look authentic, so I asked my mom to help me, and she came up with the idea of petroleum jelly and peat moss. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it looks kind of authentic, a little patchy in spots, kind of like Crosby, just don't tell him I said that. <laughs> But because of my condition, I was abandoned um, in a Pittsburgh hospital. The woman who gave birth to me took one look, and that was it. She wanted nothing more to do with me. One of the doctors there who would end up playing an important role in my life later on tried coaxing her and the father to take another look and try and kindle that bond between parents and their new baby, but they didn't even want a second look. Let me rewind a little bit. Before me, she had already had multiple abortions, and when pregnant with me, she was out of the country, and she actually feared that she was about to miscarry me. So she went to the doctor for help, and they gave her a concoction of medications to prevent the miscarriage. Obviously, it worked, but they do believe that that concoction of medications is at least in part why I was born the way that I was. So. It was an absolute miracle that I was born. Uh, They should have celebrated my arrival, but they didn't. Um, One of the family members even suggested placing me in a room and not feeding me. So I wouldn't be going home with that family. (laughs) And in my uh, opinion, that was miracle number two of my early existence. God had other plans for me, and those plans uh, started with giving me a faith-filled family of my own. who would love me as their own. Eight days after I was born, I was placed in a foster uh, family with Richard and Janet Brooks. 
They had had a slew of foster children before me, um, but, uh, and four children of their own, but they couldn't help to add me to their crazy mix. And so began a two-year journey in me becoming their fifth and last child, but uh, not their least, just maybe in size only. When I say they added me to their crazy mix, I really mean crazy. Uh, one day when I was younger, my mom heard uh, giggling and laughing coming from another room in the house, and she had to investigate and see what that was all about. So she found my sister, um, Maya, playing with her friend, Jen. Uh, they were playing football. Nothing really out of the ordinary except that I was the football. <laughs> so, so Jen is center. She passes me between her legs to my sister Maya, and Maya drops me to the floor. So basically, she fumbled me. <laughs> um, my mom, when she saw that I was laughing and having fun, she was like, fine, OK, you can play football with her. Just please don't spike her. <laughs> so Janet and Rich were my mom and dad from the start. Brian, Candy, Maya, and Noah were my brothers and sisters from the start. I uh, didn't know any different, nor did they treat me any different, and I didn't long for anything different. But I did do things differently. Uh, obviously, there are challenges that go with not having arms or legs. Um, think about all of the things that you use your, uh, your hands for picking up something off of the floor, eating, writing, fixing your hair, dressing, turning the channel on the remote, that's a big deal, <laughs> texting, using the computer, if you're a girl, being able to put on your makeup is important, or how about just being able to hug the ones that you love? The tasks are just about endless, because you do almost everything with your hands, right? which means virtually everything in everyday living is a challenge for me. And how does someone with uh, no legs walk? Well, I walk on my bottom. Scooting or waddling is a little bit more accurate, and I'm as slow as a snail. <laughs> Instead of using hands for everything, I typically use my mouth, or I um, hold things between my chin and my shoulder. Whenever I want to carry something, I typically carry it under my right arm because it's a little bit longer than the left one. I write uh, by holding the pen or pencil in between my chin and my shoulder. I eat by taking the back end of the spoon or fork in my mouth, and then I scoop up the food, and I use my arm to press down on the back end of the spoon or fork and use the, the bowl or plate sort of like the fulcrum of a seesaw and I tip it down until the front end with the food comes up and ends up in my mouth. So it's basically a balancing act, and my mom is afraid that one of these days that when we're out at a restaurant that the food is gonna go flying over my shoulder onto somebody else's plate. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but I say if it does, hey, they just got free food. <laughs> I put my makeup on by holding the eyeliner pencil or or brushes in between my arm and the table. I brush my hair by placing the handle of the brush inside of a drawer, and I close the drawer on it. Now, there are a few things that need to happen. <laughs> the brush has to have a little bit of grip onto it so that it grips and holds in place. And the drawer has to be those, those heavy kind that you know have a little weight to them, and they don't just 
pop open really easily um, and it holds it in place real well. And then I just kind of brush my head up against it like a cat would brush up against you. I text with my lips and if I wanna respond really fast, I use my tongue. <laughs> Um, my mom and dad are a big uh, part of why I'm so independent today. When I was a baby, the doctors basically told them that I wouldn't be able to do anything for myself, that I would be strapped to a chair. My mom refused to accept that, though. Um, my parents didn't treat me as though I was handicapped. Growing up, that doesn't mean that they made me fend for myself when they saw that I needed something. They were always there to help. But Mainly, they just showed me how something was done, and then I would figure out how to do it in my own way. My mom taught me how to balance and sit on my own. Um, she would sit me on her lap facing her, um, and then she would lift one leg, and it would kind of throw me off balance, and I'd have to catch myself, and then the other leg as well. To get my balance going from back to to front, she would sit me sideways in the crease of her leg and do the same thing, lift one leg, and it would throw me back and lift the other and it would throw me forward. So she, uh, we practiced that every time that I sat on her lap and sitting in the high chair also helped me, you know, to learn to gain my balance as well. My dad actually made my first pair of arms for me. He cut a football in half, he taped the football to my arms and then he taped a straw to the football. <laughs> so. It helped me to be able just to bat at my toys for a little bit. It didn't stay on for long, but, um, but it allowed me to play for a little while. When I first started to eat on my own, uh, I used a cuff that was strapped to my arm and it had a, a spoon sticking out of it. I also had a special bowl that had a, a curved lip on the, the side of it so that when I would scoop the food, the food would end up back onto the spoon instead of off of the plate and underneath the plate had a little bit of grip so that it didn't slide around the, the height chair at all. Uh, I also was able to hold, uh, eat corn on the cob. My mom would cut it down perfectly to size so that I could fit it in between my arms <laughs> and I could eat it that way. Around the age of two, I began attending the Watson Institute, and back then it was called DT Watson, where they offered therapy to children with disabilities. And that's where I graduated from my straw arms to what we called my banana arm. <laughs> we had technical terms for everything, um, <laughs> mainly because of the way it looked. So it was just a cream-colored rubber in plastic with, um, that was with a pincher on it that was fitted for my right arm. And a guy there named uh, Bill Spetz from Uni Union Artificial Lemon Braces uh, made that for me. While I was there, I also um, got my first walker. So my dad actually designed this walker, uh, and the people there at the time made it. Uh, so he designed it for all of the parts to be adjustable. All of the, all of the pieces were movable right down to the um, padded part that you see. Those were actually off of the top of crutches. And my dad had the idea of, of putting them sideways so that they would wrap around my ribs and under my arms instead of the normal way that you would use crutches. So I, um, I could grow into that. When the time came that I didn't need that anymore, I um, played with it and <laughs> I would sit at the top of our ramp and I would pick my bum up off of the ground and it would go flying down the ramp. <laughs> and then I would pick it up on my shoulders and carry it all the way back to the top of the ramp and do it all over again. It's also where I acquired my duck feet. 
we called them. Um, so I was placed in a sling of sorts so that they could cast my body. And um, it created a, a sturdy bucket for me to sit in and with some wooden feet on the, on the end, except it was a little bit cumbersome for someone as little as I was to, to work and use. So my dad had the idea of putting springs in the legs, and that way it taught me what it would be like to walk. So if I leaned to my right, the left leg would kick out a little bit, and if I leaned to my left, the right leg would kick out a little bit. Um, and I was only using that for about a, a month or so when I was sitting on my dad's lap, and I told him I want to walk. And he said, okay, let me go get your legs. And I told him, no, I walk. And so he put me down and on the floor, and off I went. I never used those feet again. My parents even made playtime work better for me. They had a huge back porch put on um, so that I could play outside. My dad actually made this swing for me so that I could do it myself. I didn't typically sit on it like I am in, in this picture because the movement would throw my balance off, and I didn't have any way to really hold on. Um, so instead, I would sit on the floor, and I would butt my belly up against it, and I would walk back as far as I could, and then belly flop onto it, <laughs> and it would swing. And um, I just, I loved being on that swing. I would fall asleep on it and everything. The rest of my family were all important pieces of the puzzle as well. I rode my wheelchair when they rode their bikes. Uh, I pulled my nieces and nephews, who I actually was more closer in age to at the time, around on their roller skates. You can see my one nephew is like a little airborne. I, I got a little excited and, <laughs> and went too fast. <laughs> my sister taught me how to paint those plaster of Paris houses and ornaments that you see at Christmas time. My brother would skip his study hall at the high school and come down to the grade school to take gym class with me since I wasn't able to do all of the activities that all of the other kids were doing. So he made sure I was exercising and he would play ball with me and things like that so that I was still able to take gym but just um, not participate fully in the exact same way. He even taught me how to climb up the stairs when I was little enough to do so. So just the way that I um, would belly flop onto the, the swing, I would belly flop onto the step, and then I would use the next step to pull myself up with um, by my chin and my arms, and I would belly flop onto the next one all the way to the top. And then coming down, I mostly just slid on my belly the whole way down. One, one time I thought, I thought that method just wasn't nearly fast enough, so I came down end over end like a football. <laughs> okay, I didn't really mean to do it like that. <laughs> but um, my mom found me crying at the bottom of the stairs, um, but when she realized that it was mostly because I was just scared of what just happened and that I wasn't hurt, she said, well, well thank God she didn't break an arm or a leg. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from those uh, everyday tasks I just I mentioned a little earlier, I'm also an artist. Uh, I've loved being creative since I was young. <clears throat> I draw a little bit, but it doesn't come easy for me. I'm also a purse maker. Uh, it started out with me just wanting to make a small purse that I could use to, to carry my cell phone with. It's a little hard sometimes to find purses and other things that, that fit me and suit me, so I've decided to make it myself, and, and it kind of grew from there, and now 
I do commissions for people and I work with everybody individually to make something that they specifically want. Um, I'm also a published author of two autobiographies, Unseen Arms and Unseen Arms Reaching Out. Both are super easy to read and, and describe in more detail the challenges that I've overcome growing up and um, how, how I overcame those. Uh, a few years later, I started, or a few years ago, I started a YouTube series called How Does She Do It? Um, asked a lot, how do you do this and how do you do that? So I just put it into YouTube form and I, I make uh, short little clips of how I do certain tasks. Um, all throughout my journey, God has brought the right people in my life at just the right times. Most of them for just a season, but sometimes some of them stick around too. The doctor at the beginning of my story, his name was Dr. Alexander, and he had polio and used a wheelchair himself. Um, he often told my mom that computers would be my life, and he couldn't have been more right. <laughs> Years later, I would receive my, own, my very own com computer from a friend uh, at our church who would often come to my mom at the end of each year and ask what it was that I, that I needed. And so after that, my love for everything technology was born. It was our friend Mark who built that porch that I mentioned earlier. He also closed in our, our front porch and put in floor-to-ceiling windows so that I could sit, sit at them and watch the kids play outside. Um, he also made my mom's vision of a modified bathroom come to life. My bathroom has a toilet in the floor so that I could walk onto it. It has a sink um, very low so that I can reach it, and it has a tub with a door on it so that I can walk in and out myself. It was a curious fellow churchgoer, Eric, who pulled me out of, my, uh, out of my shy self and encouraged me to share the story that God gave me with um, people around the world. He also taught me to shoot a rifle and reminded me to always shoot for the stars. It was Alex, a photographer, who believed in my, ta my creative talents. He taught me photography, set up a kitchen in his studio on my level so that I could learn how to cook. He encouraged me to try new things and to buy that sewing machine when I took an interest in sewing, and also to start that YouTube channel. Pastor Fred and Miss Kim have given me many opportunities to share my story and have allowed me to give back in a very small way, being a part of Reagan's journey. And I also can't forget about Scott and Miss Brenda. You guys know them, right? Yeah. I call him Uncle Scott. He's no relation, thank God. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> In one way or another, all these people, plus many more, have helped to shape the woman that I am today. They all brought me here, um, and they've all changed my life in one way or another. But not as much as it is about to change in a few short months, because I'm actually getting married. <laughs> Um, so God brought Michael into my life about five years ago as an acquaintance, and then two years after that, we became friends, and our friendship just grew deeper from there. Um, last month, he proposed in a little park nearby my house, and um, just before my birthday this year in September, I will be getting married right here on this platform. 
to my best friend by <laughs> by none other than Pastor Fred. So I can't wait for the for what the, the next chapter hood holds and it's gonna look a whole lot different than my life right now. <laughs> but let's face it, just because my challenges are visible and obvious doesn't mean that I'm the only one that has them. Every one of us in this room faces challenges of some sort. Every one of us has issues that we need to overcome, Con conditions that we wish weren't there, whether visible or not, uncontrollable factors in our body, relationship issues, emotional or mental issues. So what do we do with these life-impacting changes? How do we respond? Do we just give up and allow ourselves to become victims in our own minds? Do we allow these challenges to become a prison of limitations for us? I think our initial response sometimes is yes to all of these things. We tend to go into survival mode and just exist. Sometimes the challenges literally feel like a weight that we will never get out from under unless you have God on your side. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This verse speaks to the complexity and the uniqueness that is the human body. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make mistakes. He knew exactly who I would be. He knew exactly who you would be. You are no surprise to God. It's time we start being more confident in who we are, not because of anything we've accomplished or um, because of the way we look, but because of, God, of who God says that we are and who he's made us to be. If you made the choice to ask Jesus in your heart and you're living for him, then you're his and you have access to everything that he is. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. So it's time we step out in faith and use that. Use what God gave you. Stop trying to fit into that cookie cutter shape that everybody says you have to fit in uh, to, to be worthy of anything because God already says that you are. Lean on him. Trust that he who began a good work in you will, will carry it on uh, into completion until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6 and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, Philippians 4.13. I believe that God created me with a purpose. He proves his faithful, faithfulness each and every time I step out in faith. I've learned very early on that saying I can't will get you nowhere. If you think you can't, you won't. Without every challenge I face, I've always said I'll try, especially when someone else tells me that I can't do something. It drives me to prove them wrong. I remember wanting to use a hot glue gun uh, when I was younger for some art project that I decided I wanted to do. And my mom was quick to tell me, you can't do that. And I was quick to prove her wrong. <laughs> of course, I had to take the hot glue gun when she wasn't looking or she'd have taken it off of me. <laughs> But there I was, happily gluing away when, if you've ever used a hot glue gun, you know those tiny little hair-like strings that get in the way. Well, I went to pull it with my lips. And I missed. <laughs> so I ended up with a pretty nasty burn. But I did it. I knew I could. I just had a momentary lapse in judgment in the middle. 
And these days, my mom is a little bit more careful about what she tells me I can and can't do. <laughs> um, I've been asked so many times how I can be so happy um, when I've seemingly been dealt this uh, crappy hand at life, no pun intended. Um, happiness is a result of a grateful heart. When we're truly thankful for what we have, happiness can't help but to well up inside of us. The last part of Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When I look back at my life, I can't help but to see God's handiwork from the very beginning. The woman who carried me had multiple abortions before me. So why didn't she choose to abort me too? Better yet, when faced with the knowledge that she might lose me, why did she get help to save me, only to abandon me in the end? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God had plans for me. I've sort of understood uh, from a very young age because of the faith of my parents that God created me with a purpose. Not only that, but my mom has always taught me to remember that no matter what it is that I'm going through, there's always somebody out there going through something worse, and it's good to keep your life and your circumstances in perspective. Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of of God in Christ Jesus for you. Honestly, there are a lot of times when I'm not happy, but I can tell you the mo that most of the time the reason is because I've lost that perspective in those moments and I've forgotten to be thankful for what I have and for what God has blessed me with. My joy comes in knowing that because I belong to God. He's always got my back. Also, I believe that attitude determines um, altitude. To borrow a quote from Charles Swindoll, he says, I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. I can choose to have a crappy attitude about things, and believe me, there are some days that I really do. <laughs> or I can choose to face the challenge and have faith that things will work out. So what does this all mean for you guys? I believe that something powerful happens when we stop acting like a victim and we choose to just show up and offer God what we are, exactly the way we are right now. Offer him however, whatever you have, however little it may seem to you. Say to God, I'll try, and, I, and remove I can't from your vocabulary. If God says you can, then no one is stopping you but yourself. I'm living proof that if God can use me, he can use anybody. All you got to do is show up because you were born with a holy and divine purpose. Thanks, guys. You ready for me? Any questions? Sure. All right, uh, we're going to do some question and answer time. Amy's uh, been, uh, made herself available to answer any questions that you might have, so... Uh, it might take a minute to warm up to this, but is there anybody who's willing to get us started? I'll actually step down out of those lights so I can see. Does anybody want to ask a question? Please don't be shy. If I don't want to answer, I just won't. <laughs> <laughs> while, you're, while you're thinking, Amy, uh, tell us a little bit more about your artwork and specifically let us know what's going to be available at your table. Yeah, so I have um, my books are available out um, in the reception area and um, a few art prints and a couple of my purses are out there. And so the more 
that you guys buy from me today, the less I have to pick, pack and take with me whenever I get married and move. So. That's, that's a good sales pitch right yeah. there. Uh, Amy's books are incredible. Highly encourage you to pick up uh, both of those to hear the whole story. Um, it's a really, really, it, it is an enjoyable read. It's just an enjoyable read. Even if you're not a reader, um, she writes the way she speaks, which is just very easy to listen to. So go ahead, make sure you grab those. Yes, you have a question? Um, I just have a question. Have you ever seeked out your birth, uh, birth mother? The, the, question, the question is, has Amy ever sought out her birth mother? I have not. Um, to be honest, I, I feel like God gave me the family that I was supposed to have. And um, not that I have anything against her. She did me a favor. <laughs> um, but a lot of people ask me if I forgive her for what she did, and there's really nothing to forgive. You, you forgive somebody that, is hurt, that has hurt you, you know? And I, I never knew her, so there's, there's nothing to forgive. That's a great question. Thank you for answering that, Amy. And I know, uh, having spent some time with your parents, they truly are unique folks, wonderful <laughs> folks. And uh, you were not the first child that they welcomed into their home. No. Um, in fact, there were how many children? Over 80 foster babies they've had in their home. And yeah. they, she did, my mom did that for uh, 25 years. Yeah. But I was the only one that they kept. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Other questions? Yeah, Marty, go ahead. Have you ever connected with or met anybody else with a similar condition of yours? Have you networked with that or anything like that? So for, uh, for the online audience, um, the question is, has Amy ever connected with or met anybody else with a similar condition? Yeah, there are a few, a few people out there that I've seen that are, um, that, that are quite like me. <laughs> um, there's a few of us. Uh, there's an, another girl that I know that looks very similar to me and we've spoken a few times but um i'm not actually like close friends with anybody that is so okay great other questions yeah go ahead scott my driving experience <laughs> they're few and far between unfortunately um, well, the first time I ever learned to drive was in Alex's van, actually. Without any modifications, we pulled into a church parking lot, and he just sat me in, in the driver's seat and pushed the seat up really closely, and he, he ran the, uh, the gas pedal and the brakes, and, and I did the wheel with my arm, and my chest kept honking the horn because that was... <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I've been driving my wheelchair since I was six years old. Um, <laughs> um, I did want to learn how to drive a van. Um, we had a, a GoFundMe to, um, to raise funds for a van that, uh, that would be modified for me to be able to drive. We got the van, but not the modifications. They can be upwards of $100,000 just for, just for the modifications. Forget about the van itself. So. We didn't make the money for that, but I, I was able to, to do a trial run with that, and um, I was pretty good at it. My mom swore up and down she would never ride in a vehicle that I was driving in, and she actually had to ride in the vehicle that I drove that day. <laughs> but she, said, she even said that I did okay, so. Yeah. 
Well, I've driven Amy um, in her van before, and for as vulnerable as that may have felt, she's less of a backseat driver than my own family. So I get a lot more <laughs> flack from them than I did from you, Amy. <laughs> Other questions? I have one, while, perhaps while they're thinking. Uh, you have a, I, I think, you know, God makes us all a little bit differently. You have a naturally... Uh, happy disposition, but there's no doubt times when um, just, you know, just like everybody else, the way your life is going gets you a little bit down, I'm sure. Um, what does that look like, and how do you, how do you relate to God in the midst of, of those times? I've learned that praise and worship is the best way to get through that. Um, I think that when we're going through those hard times, we can we can do one of two things. We can run towards God or we can run away from him. And as, as hard as those moments can be, running towards God is the best decision that you can make. And he always walks with you. He doesn't necessarily take you out of things as quickly as you want him to. But he always promises that he'll walk beside you. And he's always walked beside me. So I can, if I can just give a piece of advice, it would just be to praise him um, in those moments. Mm. Thank you. I can keep going. I have lots of questions. <laughs> Anybody else? Hi, Amy. Hi. So for the online audience, again, uh, the question to Amy is, tell us about uh, how you came to Christ and your salvation story. So the first time I asked Jesus into my heart was in Sunday school. I was seven years old um, and by Pastor Cal, Pastor Jim Callahan. And um, I think, to be honest, at that age, I was just more like, oh, my God, I could go to hell if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> If I don't accept the Lord. And so every Sunday thereafter for the longest time, I would rededicate my life to the Lord just in case it didn't take the first time. <laughs> and then when I got older, um, I think we always, we always have that experience where we are in a place where we, we search for God, really, you know, we, we need to see him personally in our life, we need that personal experience, and I was going through, through a dark time, and I, I thought, God, are you really real? I mean, I've been living for you my whole life, but I really need you, are you really there? And that's when I found him, really, and truly, and, um, he, he revealed himself to me, he, and he always does when you ask him to. That is something that he will, he will always then answer a prayer that he will always answer and say yes to. And um, so that was, I would say, in my late teens, early 20s, uh, that he really became real to me, you know? What's the, the thing you're looking forward to the most to being able to do in heaven. In heaven? Mm-hmm. Oh, dancing maybe? Yeah. Walking freely. One thing that sounds silly, I am able to do almost 
almost everything on my own, but, and I can brush my hair, but I can't style my hair the way that I want it to, you know? And it sounds silly, but that's something that I don't know if we'll be able to do our hair in heaven, but if, <laughs> <laughs> if we can, I would like to do that. <laughs> Other questions? Yes. Oh, the question online. was how her and Michael met. Yeah, online, actually. He um, saw my, fa my public Facebook page and um, reached out and took me a little while to answer, though. <laughs> and, but once, we, once I did, it was just uh, an instant connection. Like, I had always known him, I think, you know? Other questions? No, we are actually, I'm actually moving, he's from Mississippi, and so I'm actually moving down to Mississippi the next day after the wedding, so that'll, that'll be our first big adventure together, and um, I think just spending time together, getting to know each other, he's, I have no idea why, but excited to be able to take care of me, <laughs> that's something that I prayed for, and um, I mean, God has just ex exceeded everything that I've ever prayed for, and I'm I'm glad that I waited for the one that he had for me. Hmm. And um, so, yeah, we'll just be taking some time together to get to know each other in our new place. <laughs> Again, you have another question? Uh, no? <laughs> Are you going to miss Pittsburgh winners? No. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> Okay, what do we need to know about your table, and um, what, would, what do we need to know in between services here? Yeah, so um, I'm going to go out there and meet you at the table, and I will sign any books that you're interested in. I'll sign them directly for you, and um, I'd love to, to meet you one-on-one -on -one out there. Great, thank you. Can we show Amy some appreciation one more time? Yeah, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and get ready to lead us in worship uh, while they do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for Amy's witness and her testimony. God, it's so just amazing to hear uh, of your faithfulness from such a unique perspective. You truly have uh, ordered this world and, and made each of us the way you wanted us to be for your glory. So God, I pray that those of us uh, here in this story today would, would be encouraged to serve you more faithfully and fervently, that we'd be encouraged um, to see the good in our lives and to give you thanks. And most of all, that we would be encouraged to take that step that Amy talked about when she placed her faith in you and began to follow you. God, help us, uh, those of us uh, who haven't taken that step yet, to open our hearts to you today, we pray in Jesus' name.